Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. This is Mark. And today, as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Um, Davis focuses mainly on engineering, IT, and manufacturing uh, professionals. So as you're uh, looking to accomplish your 2023 goals, don't hesitate to reach out to the folks at Davis to help you find the right talent to get you there. Um, today's guest is Christina Gutierrez, and Christina is um, such a phenomenal uh, conversation in regards to her career path, starting out um, really wanting to go to college to get into theater, uh, realizing that's not what she likes to do, but really that she likes to make make things. And we touched on that a little bit, but I think what's really interesting about Christina is she gives a lot of great advice for job seekers and the relentless nature of finding your new role, as well as good tips for once you get into that role, especially if you're going to be in an area where you have to influence over others. So um, she's also integral in um, an integral participant in women in manufacturing, uh, specifically in the Massachusetts chapter. And uh, she tells her story about getting into that as well. So she's going to be someone that we're going to watch for a while as she's still pretty new in her career. And uh, I think the sky's the limit. So without further ado, enjoy the conversation with Christina. Christina, cheers. Thanks for coming on Beers and Careers. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, before, actually, if you could introduce what you currently do. So, like, what my current role is. Current current role today. So, my current role today is I am a senior technical instructor at PTC. Okay. So, PTC makes a bunch of manufacturing softwares. I specifically work in the Creo software. Yes. Okay. So, if your company bought had a bunch of engineers and they needed to be trained, I'm the one who does the trainings. Excellent. And before we got get into how you got there, we all I also just learned from originally from Connecticut, now moved up to the Boston area. Yeah. You have a couple rapid fire questions that we asked our guests to okay. get to know you. Um, do you have a favorite drink? Yes. So, like alcoholic drink, I would say my favorite is like a margarita salt rim Don Julio Blanco. Oh. Um, if I'm drinking beer, IPA. Recently, yeah. I've been a very big like Julius from Treehouse Brewery. Yes, yes, okay. I'm a big, I'm a big brewery. Girl. Did you stop on the way? Um, I did stop when I was coming down for okay. the holidays. I made a pit stop okay. at Treehouse. Yes. And I had some waiting for me back in Connecticut. I love that. It's like going to Jurassic Park when you so go through those big. gates. It's so good. Too cool. Um, do you curse? Do you have a favorite curse word? Ooh, fuck yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's like a 90% It's like a, so. it's great because you can just use it when it's like, fuck yeah, yeah. happy, or like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> it's very versatile. Checks all the boxes. Yeah. Um, you need quotes? Any favorite quotes? Huh, um, trying to think. My senior quote in high school was go forth and set the world on fire. So I guess mm. that one. Oh, dig it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what was your first job? My first job was I worked at a candy store in my town. Okay. Yeah, I worked as a... I lied specifically. I was getting paid under the table, and I told them I was 16 because I wanted to save up to buy it. I think it was like a bike. Yes. And they're like, you're 16, right? And I'm like, sure. Sure. How much candy did you eat at this candy store? Um, Not a lot. I'm actually not a sweet tooth person. Whoa, I know. Um, and I think working at a chocolate shop yeah. made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> so not like right. Use a completed version. Just in your hair. So what's your? Do you have a guilty pleasure? Uh, 
guilty pleasure. I would say my guilty pleasure is I'm a big fan of like anime shows. Okay. Which yeah. is like wild because I'm not like an anime person. But then yeah. when I like list off the amount of shows I watch, I'm like I guess kind of. I guess that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I do. It's like me and my brother-in-law who are not anime people, but will watch a bunch of anime that's shows. That's too funny. That yeah. is too funny. That's the guilty pleasure. Um, lastly, any favorite book you'd share with the audience, or maybe something you're reading yes. right now? Yes. So. Two favorite books. One, The Art of War. Yeah. It's a very good book. Yep. Still very relevant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the other one, which is, I guess, a fiction-based book. I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan. Like, okay. I love, love Murder Mystery and uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Awesome. Classics. I like, uh, around this time of year, usually around Halloween and Christmas, I read through some classics. So last year I read The Portrait of Dorian Gray. Before that, I've read uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I like very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like I'm a, I'm a classics guy. Yeah, I you know I'm hearing you say that. I mean, like, man, I haven't read a classic book in a long time. That's Since good. high school. That's Since good. you were yeah, required. Probably. Yeah, probably. So, um, so talk to me. How did you get into um, what you do today? Like, I I noticed you're you're a degree in manufacturing engineering. Yes, so my degree is in manufacturing management. With manufacturing my, management, okay, yep, cool. With my concentration in manufacturing processes from yes. Central Connecticut State University, go Blue Devils. Um, but I actually started, when I went to college, my first college I went to uh, Hampshire in Amherst, Massachusetts. Yes. And I was going to school for theater. No way. <laughs> yes. Um, and, I mean, I loved it, I did, but I just didn't, love it enough to make that my job. Ton of theater in high school and growing up? Yep. Okay. I think by the time I graduated high school, I had already been involved in like 19 plays. Damn, so you were like, really? Yeah, I was yeah. very much into theater. And I've always been like a very artistic person and like I love making things. So I did mostly like technical theater and set design. I did some of the acting, but mostly I liked like costume design and stuff. So yeah, I went to college my freshman year for that and then I didn't really want to do that as a job, so I went to my parents, and I'm like, I still like making things, but I don't know what this translates to a job. Yeah. My mother's an electrical engineer, my dad's a mechanical engineer, oh, and they're no like, way. you know what you could do. <laughs> That's probably why you like making things. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> manufacturing engineer. Whoa. So I then transferred to Central. Okay. So I came back home to Connecticut, and yeah, then I guess... That's, that's you, how it You got into it. How, when did you, you went for theater, so I'm guessing you got to college without necessarily the self-awareness that really what you loved was making things? Like, how did that come about? So, I always knew I liked making things in the sense of just, like, making anything. Like, I can look at stuff, always like, kind of playing with tools and all yeah. that. Um, from there, though, my senior year, like, mm -hmm. literally almost as I was graduating, my high school got... A scholarship to make a first robotics team. I went to an all-girls high school. Cool. So then I'm just like, yeah, I'll do this. Like, yeah. I have some free time, and I'm a senior, so might as well. And I had so much fun doing that. I uh -huh. think it was like the first awareness that making things can have a very technical aspect mm -hmm. in a way that it's not just art. Yes. But I'd always been good at art, and I'd always everyone's always like, oh, well, you're such a talented artist in drawing, and you do theater. So I just kind of went into that. But then mm. as I started to do that more. I found when I was where I was uh, my freshman year that there was a more opportunity to work 
in like a machine shop. Yeah. And then so from there, I was like, well, I guess I can also make things in the context of not art. Mm. The other thing they don't tell you about an art career is I like making things like I'll wake up and say, oh, this seems cool. I'm just going to make it or, you know, if I'm not inspired, I just stop. That's really difficult to do where when you get to make things in a more technical way, there's not that pressure of like, do I like love this spiritually mm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I think, how I ended up pivoting where I'm like, I love art, but I like doing it when I want to do it. And that's right. not sustainable. For yeah, <laughs> right. That, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And... In reality, I think our favorite, some of my favorite products on earth are a combination of technical art and the creative side. There is this idea that like as an engineer, you're not allowed to be creative. And I think that's so bonkers because if you think of the problems we have to solve as engineers just in general, it is nothing but creativity. All day long. So I kind of like more the action of doing things and making things than I actually care about what the product is. Awesome. Awesome. So then you make this pivot and then it looks like you worked at some kind of different products along the way. Yes. So out of college, my first job was at New England Airfoil Products. Mm -hmm. I worked as a manufacturing engineer. Um, truly, I think the best thing I got from that experience is a really heavy shop floor experience. I mean, you, okay. can, you can talk all day about like the theoretics of how you maneuver something through a shop, but it's not until you're working with machinists that you're just like, oh, this is actually how it works. Like yes. we can have whatever Kaizen events we want, but these are the actual people doing it. Yes. And they, I mean, the guys on the shop floor have all my love. They taught me pretty much everything I learned at that job. Mm -hmm. So from there, I worked doing some drafting work at Permastalisa. Okay. And I'd always had like, in college, I was always pretty good at 3D modeling software and stuff. It was actually my college boyfriend at the time that's like, you should come and take this seminar on SolidWorks. Oh. Yeah, and I remember hating it. <laughs> hating it, like, I, hating everything about it because I'm such, I'm a very skilled, like, drawer. Mm -hmm. So, hand drafting was something I knew how to do. So when and you lo and used, loved kind of thing, you loved. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I took, like, a fine, I've taken fine art classes and stuff. So, when you have that skill for drawing and now you're in a new software that it's not mm. working to what your brain is used to you being able to do, it's horrible. I felt like a cat with tape uh, on the bottom of its paws. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> but eventually I picked it up and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I got the feel for it. And from there, at every job I worked after that, they just used a different software. Yeah. Yeah, so at some point, I think now I have SolidWorks, Bluebeam, Revit, Autodesk Fusion 360, Inventor, AutoCAD, and Creo. Wow. Because you have to teach yourself pretty much at every job. Yes. So when I got this job at PTC, they're like, have you used Creo? And I'm like, no. And they're like, do you think you'll be able to learn it? And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. because I've done it like yeah. nine times already. <laughs> right. Just a new, uh, some new window dressing. Basically. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, we, uh, that's kind of what we do is place designers here. So I get it. I totally get it. And, uh. Although, be surprised how, I think you're um, being humble. I think there's a lot of people who struggle out there to learn the different skill sets, so kudos to you. So then, how do you, how do you, went? why the transition from being the person doing the design to um, now you teach it? So, I love the technical aspects, like I love any 3D modeling software, like I'm a very visual, spatial reasoning person. 
the only thing that comes with being an engineer and doing that kind of work is you're not really customer facing and I like people. Okay. So when I found this kind of niche opportunity, they're like, we're looking for engineers, but like with personality. I'm just like, this is me. Like, yeah. This is what we're doing. I get to talk for a living. This is amazing. And did you find, did you get like recruited into that job? Like how did that? So what happened is this. So I am on the board for women in manufacturing for the state of Massachusetts. So that, I mean, like, I, yeah. that's actually how I met Andrea here. And um, from there, another one of our board members was hosting an event for, it was like a temple networking event. Okay. So it was hosted at PTC. She yeah. was basically looking to fill out the room. Yeah. And she's like, hey, are you free on Tuesday? And I'm like, yeah, I'm free. I don't have anything else I'm doing. I was not looking for a job. Like, I was oh, employed yeah, at yeah. a place. Yeah. And then I went to PTC, and I'm just like, how do I work here? How do I work here? Um, yes. <laughs> and it was a very, like, I basically stalked PTC and was like, you will let me interview here. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I met some people, found some opportunities, looked at any job that I could possibly qualify to do. I actually had originally applied to Onshape, which had recently yes. been acquired by PTC. Yes, oh, that's right. Yeah, so I applied for that position, and they're like, here's the deal, that position is not getting funding, but we really want you. Yeah. So then I was thrown at like three. I think I interviewed in total like nine different times. Wow. Awesome. In like a rapid person. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we want you, and we're just going to keep throwing you at the wall and see what sticks. So that's how I ended up with PTC. I love that story, though. I love the story because you really just went out, you knew where you wanted to work. Yeah, so I was like, I want to work here. <laughs> yes, and you just want to get your foot in the door. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's what, So this is how it manifests itself. That's oh, it was manifesting. I might as well have had a vision board in my apartment, <laughs> like PTC. I'm like, I'll work here. That is, that is so cool. Now, how the women in manufacturing, clearly a demographic probably underrepresented in the uh, in the manufacturing world more so. How was like, how has your experience changed throughout the years of like, you know, PTC is huge, global, and a progressive company, but you also like, your eyes lit up when you talked about your time on the shop floor with the guys that you mentioned. So yeah. I'd love to hear like, your perspective. So it's like a mixed bag in the sense of like, I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, it's all sunshine and roses being a woman in a male-dominated field. Like, yes. that's a lie. But I think once, at least in my experience, I can't speak for all, once the guys on the shop floor kind of got over the initial shock of the fact that I'm half their age yes. and a girl and like I'm not, I'm 5'2 if yeah. I'm an inch. Once they've kind <laughs> of gotten over that, and if you just... Okay, so the best way I can say, and this is just for anyone working with any group of, yeah. particularly in a trade. So, like, I have a four-year degree from a college, and my job was very much in a managerial role of the shop floor. Yes. Enter with the respect that someone who has done the job longer than you has something to teach you. Your degree does not matter. It, I mean, it does. But what really won me over was when I, I guess, when I go out there and I'm like, can you teach me how to do this? Because you've done it. Yeah. And a from humble. there, you can just kind of, I mean, you can work with it and find a common point. I mean, at this point, uh, I know a lot about hockey, football, <laughs> and hunting. Like, aside from hockey, none of those things I'm super interested in. Yes. But you just find places to kind of meet. If you go in with the attitude of, it's going to be so hard, they're going to hate me, then yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. You can win them over. It takes time, and you just have to be honest in your intentions. 
you're I'm, I'm not doing it to like manipulate them or anything I'm genuinely care I genuinely want to learn how you've done things I'm genuinely interested in your perspective if I'm a process engineer trying to improve the process who better to get information from than the people who do the work every day right right as opposed to just sitting in an office assuming yes. that you know what's going on do you, so it sounds to me like you also felt like you were battling the I'm younger than people in the room. Yes. Uh, Almost like, I don't want to say more so, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you really... No, 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 that's definitely like a factor. Yeah. There is, I mean, some of it you do have to have a little bit of a thick skin. Like, you For can't sure. get For too sure. ruffled with like, when a guy comes in and is like, listen here, little lady. Like, yeah. that's just going to happen. Right. But I think it's just accepting that it's going to take time and letting your work speak for you, mm. giving it time and kind of learning to assert yourself and say, no, here is why I feel this way. Mm. And to some extent, being able to stand up for yourself and a little bit of like pushing back. Yeah. Particularly guys on the shop floor, they'll push you a little bit. Like you gotta knock it back a little. Mm -hmm. And after that, usually you're pretty fine. You almost gain respect yeah. by doing it that way. Where does your self-confidence come from? Theater? <laughs> uh, you said you were it wasn't like all acting in theater either. No. Um, I don't know if self-confidence is the right word. I mean, I guess I'm... I've over the years become pretty comfortable with recognizing that the things I've done, I guess, have value. That, like, yeah. I got a degree that I earned. Mm -hmm. I have worked at places where I have shown my value. So from there, just to some extent... I, and that might just come from being a woman in a male-dominated field. If I don't trust myself, no one else will. Yes. Right so on. I have to at okay. least be like, I know what I'm doing. And as my mother will always say, fake it till you make it. Yeah. There have been moments where I'm just like, I know what I'm doing in my head. I'm just like, I do not know what I'm right. doing. Right, I'm going to look that up on media. Yeah, I'm just like, Call, yeah, phone a friend. this. And then it's just like, let's check. <laughs> do you, so how long have you been involved with women in manufacturing in Massachusetts? Oof. Uh, I think at this point, I have been on the board for like five years. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. So, what happened was this. So, even before you were in Massachusetts? Yes. No way. Um, so, that's kind of a long story. So, I was at a very small company. <laughs> we're going nowhere. Yeah, no. Plenty of time. I was at a very small company, and when I was going to go, like, I, my mom had mentioned to me, she said, there's this thing called women in manufacturing. I think it'd be, like, good for you to yeah. just, like, learn. So, at the time, my company didn't have the money to send me. And I'm like, I got PTO and a couple, a couple hundred bucks in the bank. Yeah. So, I sent myself to the first conference that I went to, which was in Indianapolis. Love that. And when I went, I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, I want to get involved with this organization. I need to see who are in my area. So, I had a car. So I knew I'm like, okay, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts are like the places I could ostensibly drive to. Mm -hmm. uh, Rhode Island did not have a chapter, so I'm like, Rhode Island's out. Yeah. Uh, and then there was Connecticut, Massachusetts. And it happened that the Connecticut chapter lead, I think she just ended up not going that year, or maybe she did and I just never caught her. So I found out that I'm like, oh, there's someone who wants to start the Massachusetts chapter, Angela. So I then, <laughs> and Angela is at this point uh, a very close friend and mentor to me. 
But I basically like looked her up because Wim had this app where you could like look up all of the members and like speakers. And I ran around the conference basically trying to meet her mm. and talking to her. We became very good friends. And she's like, I'm trying to start this chapter. Do you want to help? And I'm like, hell yeah. No way. Yes, yeah, so I was like never a member of Wim. I went from like going to a conference to being on the board. I went from like zero to 100 very quickly. Wow, what was that experience like? Um, well, I remember at the Wim conference, they had like a breakout group and it was talking about how do women achieve positions of power within particularly male dominant fields. And the topic was how do women get on boards, like in general. And the woman there who spoke was like, well, the way to get on a board is to already be on a board. Like you start at your local boards and then from there you grow. So it was already on a goal to be on a board of something. Okay. To just get that experience. So when Angela's like, I'm starting this, I'm like, I've never been on a board, but I can figure it out. Yeah. And there it is. That's how it very, ended up happening. Very cool. Do you feel like um, there's a whole different set of skill sets that are challenged from yes. your board work? No, yes. It's very weird because it is, I mean, it, you're people facing in a way that like you are representing an institution. So it, mm. you, it is a little weird in the sense that like, Wim is something that has become such a big part of my life and particularly like not just my career, it's something I'm very involved in, it's a thing I'm obviously very passionate about. So it's weird kind of being a person who represents essentially an institution. Yes. Um, I also have, I think, pretty consistently been one of the youngest members on that board. So it is also a little weird when it's just like, hi, I, I started there when I was little bit. I'm 29 now, so I've been like 24, 25. So being on a board at 25 is a yeah. little wild. That's Im- it's impressive. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility. Because, like, what, what, what is WIM's main goal? So WIM's main goal is, Women in Manufacturing is a trade association that is promoting women in the male-dominated field of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to necessarily be a manufacturing engineer like me. It is anyone who works in the... In the field. In the field, or like adjacent to the field. So manufacturing services yeah. as well. Yeah. So it is a little interesting in the sense of like how... Um, it's a big topic, I guess. Yeah, huge, right? Yeah, and it's actually like, again, near and dear to my heart, not just obviously for my own personal reasons, but so I guess in that it's weird sometimes to have doing all this work towards such a big goal. And then I guess there is a little pressure to be like, this is something that's so important to me that like everything I do in the context of WIM, I really try to put my best effort in mm. um, because I know it's like such a bigger part and it's such a been such a big thing for me and hopefully a big thing for other people. Very cool. So your goal is really to engage women in those industries, yes. adjacent industries. And create, I guess, a network. I'll mm. be honest, there's a pretty regular occurrence that I am the only woman in a room. Yeah. And almost every woman at whim has almost always been the only woman in a room. Right. And it's a little hard when you feel like you're all by yourself because you're not. There's a lot of us. But yes. it's not the easiest to it's find. Not the, yeah. It's not as represented. So do you, do you like work with like schools and like STEM? Is it a lot of that? Like, yes. I'm just trying to, I'm guessing. I'm no, no, no. That's absolutely fair. No, we do a lot of things with schools. Um, I'm actually recently got promoted as the events coordinator for our chapter. So plans moving forward are largely, I'll say the majority of what we do is like factory tours. Yeah. 
helping people see other things. And Andrea actually held a fabulous event at a brewery for oh. networking. So we do networking events too. Um, and we are now looking at outreach. I mean, prior to WIM, when I was back in college, I worked at the Women's Center at my university. And we hosted like a girls in STEM day mm -hmm. where we got middle school girls and basically introduced them to STEM careers. And yes. just the simple exposure of, it's wild that in this day and age it's still to be said, but I've gotten when I've taught younger children that they're like, you don't look like an engineer. And I'm like, why don't I look like an engineer? Right. I'm an adult. Right. And they're like, well, engineers don't look like you. And I'm like, what does an engineer look like? like mm. You don't have to be a certain type of girl. You have to be a girl who likes math and science. That is the criteria That's it. That's for manufacturing. It. That's it, yeah. So it's, mm. it's sometimes just simply the exposure of if you don't see people who look like you in an industry, it makes it very hard for you to believe you can be part of that. Mm. So Makes sometimes sense. just the exposure of existing and being like, hey, we're real, right, is enough to be like, oh, maybe I should try this. Very cool. No, 100%. And then people need role models. Yeah. You know, I think that's like the, uh, the I mean, your mom was an engineer. Yes. My mom uh, is an engineer. My mom is currently... Is an engineer. Yeah, well, she is, I mean, still is in the sense yeah. that she's other dreams. She currently works as the president of Comstead uh, in Connecticut. So it's an MEP. Yeah, manufacturing extension program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. We have one of those in Massachusetts. I yes, because the, the Massachusetts one knows my mom. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So it's very for you. It's becoming a very small role. Yeah, uh, my sister is an engineer. I'm an engineer. My dad is an engineer. My mom is an engineer. Manufacturing wow. is a hot topic in our yeah. house. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, any crossover between the products that you guys have worked on? Um. I do know that my sister's company uses Creo, okay. so they have had trainings. I haven't been a trainer oh, yet. That would be I'm honestly waiting for the day because there is not a version where I'm not going to be like, and that's my yours. <laughs> <laughs> so she's had them. It's just not with like this product. So it certainly seems like your parents are pretty instrumental in guiding you into this career. Not like purposely. No, they actually let me have a lot of free reign. When I when I told them, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do theater anymore. Like, I don't know that it's for me. They're just like, okay, cool. Like they were ready to close. The first time I've ever seen them really happy with me trying to quit something. <laughs> and I was just like, where's this energy with my whole life? They're like, you know, sometimes you just need to change things. I'm like, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're always suspect. Yeah, they suspect. were always rooting for it, but they were never like you have to. They let my sister and I kind of do what we want, and we just found our way mm. into it. Into it. That's that is so cool. So what is next for you? What is next? Um, PTC is a big place. PTC is a big place. So I don't know where. I mean, any career move, I would definitely look internally. PTC is not just because it's a big company. Mm. We at PTC put such an emphasis on like hiring and promoting internally yes. that most of the people I've seen are like, I have worked at PTC for 15 years mm -hmm. and I've just worked nine different departments at PTC. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a rare find because I'll be honest, I don't know too many people my age who have companies that they could ostensibly see themselves retiring from. Yes, I agree. It's, it's kind of like an old school mentality. Yeah, but there's a lot of opportunity within PTC. So I'm not sure what's next in the context of like, where I'm gonna add, I'm gonna make three. Oh, I just made three years. It was in November, like November 18th was my three year oh, anniversary. Congrats. PTC. Thank there you. Go. Very cool. Um, so I'm not sure from there where, but I will most likely continue in the PTC family. Very, very cool. Yeah, I um, we recorded a podcast recently. 
where the person uh, gave the advice to someone seeking a job and early in their career to just say yes to things. And I just found it so funny that the reason you ended up at PTC is because you went to go fill a seat in a room at one point in time and then that inspired some change. And I, I, I don't know, I think that's so cool. Oh, I am forever like a yes woman. That has been like my <laughs> motto recently at PTC where they're like, do you think you can do this job? And I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. I got the job. And then I ended up doing a bunch of other things uh, like in PTC where there, I recently hosted our virtual Christmas party. And I say recently like this morning. No way. Yeah. We had a virtual Christmas party and my manager's manager was like, do you want to do that? And I'm like, sure I do. I have no idea if I could do it, but I was like, well. I'll let it rip. Yeah, I am forever just throwing myself. I'm like, I'll learn on the fly. How are you dealing with working remotely? Because you seem like a person who would thrive. Yeah. I'm judging. But no, no, no. Seems like you would thrive like in, in an interpersonal what? this I setting. I don't this strike kind of you setting. as an introvert. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So it's weird because it is a virtual class, so I do interact with people all day. Hundred percent. Teaching yeah. them. Teaching online is so different than when I I used to teach in person, like as a side hustle. Um, I there's like a maker space uh, in Connecticut yeah. and I taught um, SolidWorks yeah. so I do that as like a summer side gig I'm pretty good when it comes to reading body language in person and yeah. you have to get a whole new set of skills for reading uh, reading body language through zoom is tough because it's, it's like does anyone have any questions full silence and I'm like awesome I don't know if anyone needs help or not right so that's tough um, what I have done, and like I said, since I do women stuff, I fill my time with a lot of other types of things. Yeah, you're getting your engagement elsewhere. Yes, I mean, like I told a friend of mine, they're like, oh, what are you doing today? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be interviewed for this podcast. And they're like, why are you always going places and doing things? And I'm like, I'm a busy woman. I got, I got things yeah, to do. Yeah, stay on the move, though. Stay on the move. So then between, like, whim and then this and then kind of other things I'm trying to do... That's how you get you. That's how you satiate that. Yeah, and then I think uh, come the new year, I might start going into the office more just to get do human interaction. Just, just to do it. Yeah, I mean, you're, and you're close. You're not, yeah, you're no, not. I'm I'm 15 minutes uh, driving and then like 30 minutes on the green line. Mm, that make, yeah, so it's not bad at all. I loved um, like for me takeaways too from this is like for the job seekers the relentlessness about wanting to work somewhere and then getting here getting your foot in the door at any way possible. Because I think that's like easier said than done. Uh, yeah, I will say if I had like advice for someone getting a job, if you yeah. really want something, first, opportunity looks different. The job I got that I love is not the job I applied for. Yeah. Mm. That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is, point. honestly, be comfortable with rejection and keep trying. This is the only time that like no doesn't always have to mean no. Right. Just keep applying and then keep applying again. If anything that shows a company, if you're interested enough when they reject you, and be a good sport about it. Here's the thing. Someone rejecting you, you don't know what's happening in the background. It might have nothing to do with you. Maybe the company didn't get funding for the position. I mean, I love my job, but mm -hmm. I will not show up if they stop paying me. Yes. Um, maybe they had to promote intern. Like, there's a lot of things that could be happening that have nothing to do with you, so don't take it too personally. And don't be too quick to burn that bridge of being like, well, now I'm... It's like, no, just try again. And if you really care, try again. Keep your eyes open for other positions. Get an alert on yeah. open positions. So I would just say truly keep trying. It takes time. It's not fun, but like... You got to keep your head down. And I think your 
you mentioned you're a hockey fan. Yeah. I'm a Bruins fan, and they're doing so well. Doing, oh, my God. What a season, right? I, I'm truly. With you, I'm with you. So I'm a bees guy, too. Like, that, that's my... Top of the Eastern Conference, like every time I'll be wild, like the alerts on my phone, and then I'm just like, oh my god, they're doing well. Right, I have a seven-year-old uh, and a five-year-old, but um, the seven-year-old, they're both, they both play hockey, but the seven-year-old's obsessed, so every morning, goes downstairs, and he's like, the Bruins played last night, so we asked Alexa, did the Bruins win, and all that, so it's hilarious, it's constant at our house, but the reason I bring it up is, um, what you just said really reminded me of a video I saw of a bunch of hockey coaches just kind of having their own, like, mini podcast or yeah. whatever, all, all current coaches in the NHL talking about things, and they talked about how the there's a level sometimes of frustration between player and coach that exists due to no communication. Kind of like the whole point of you saying no, you don't know what the other person's going through, why they said no, and they said like they've taken people off on the power play 10 seconds before the power play ends just to get the next line ready, Yeah. and the person on the ice thinks that they got pulled off. And they'll sweat it for like a couple of weeks before they say anything. And it's like, and I, and I thought to myself, I was like, it, as someone who's a leader of people, mm -hmm. I thought to myself, who on my team thinks that I did something for a different reason than I really did that I can talk to them about it? Especially like going into, the, we're, we're, you know, right around the holidays. It's like, hey, we're not going to talk and they're just going to be sweating over it. And it's so interesting to hear you're like, I don't care. Like, I'm only going to worry about what I can control. That's Which is hard to do. It is. Oh, it is. I'm making it sound really you gracious really, now. You really are. You really are. Um, there is a lot of, like, to the company, you're just like, no, thank you so much for the feedback. And at home, just, like, live it. But yeah, dropping F-bombs. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but that's the thing. First, you can't take anything too personally because nine times out of ten is not personal. Correct. There is something else Correct. going on. And, like, same for that. Okay, the hockey example being the perfect example. You might think you're best suited for position A mm. because you're only seeing it from your perspective. The hiring manager, if they're doing their job right, is seeing the full picture and it might be like, that's not for you. We're going to put you somewhere else. It's hard to deal with that. Yeah. It's and, hard to deal And you got to be just gracious because also, and this is just, I think, maybe having grown up in New England my whole life, New England is small. It, <laughs> like, is, it is very small. And the people are curt. Yeah, but we know each other. So the thing yeah. is, like, let's say I applied with you and that didn't work out. If I make a good impression, there might be a chance that you're like, listen, I don't have anything for you, mm -hmm. but you know who does? This right. person. And you only get that by being open-minded Yeah. and just by not being a jerk yes. <laughs> about it. Just, like, chill. Something will, if you are doing your best, if you go in and you're just like, I did the best I could. That's why you can. And you apply your theory and just say yes to it. Yeah. Oh, and again, mm -hmm. all opportunities. I will take a job I don't like at a company I like any day of the week. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I think that's really. Once you're in, you can. Do. I hundred percent. I think it's really good advice. I think the other big takeaway for me from our conversation, I, I think you had great advice for the new manager or the younger manager. I know we've talked about it through the context of being a woman, but I think you also, talk, I mean, it really resonates for the new manager of like, Absolutely. assume nothing, ask for help. Um, those are, and find common ground. Absolutely, and right. you're like allowed to ask. Like one thing I always <laughs> do in interviews is, okay, I have like standard questions. The first one is, mm. I, in general, if I've applied to the company, I've already done research about the company. So there's right. not like, it's a little weird when people ask, like, so what does this company do? You should know, because you're interviewing. Like, you should already know where we're at. Amen. 
But my favorite question to ask at an interview when they say, do you have any questions? I'm like, yes. Not about the, I'm like, maybe about the job specific or maybe about the company in general. What do you think makes a successful person at X, Y, and Z in this company? Mm -hmm. Because it does two things. First, it gives you an idea of what they are looking for because they're going to tell you. Second, it gives you an idea of, I guess, what is their managerial style? What's the corporate culture? Because that one requires people to actually think and say, like, what do I feel defines success within the metrics of our company? And cultures are very hard to articulate yeah. in an interview or honestly in any setting until you immerse yourself in it. But I think you get more from the vibe of how they answer the question than the actual answer they give you to that question. Absolutely. And that gives you a good feel because, like, Every company is going to be like, we're looking for a self-starter. Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. All of you guys want me to do my work without you having to check on me. That's just like how companies right. work. Be an adult. Yeah be, yeah, be a person who's going to show up to work on time. But the way people answer that question tells them how the manager or whoever is hiring feels about the company and what they think is the person that will thrive in this culture. Mm -hmm. And I've never gotten a generic answer from anyone when I ask that question. Very cool. That, uh, that's a really good tip. Really good tip. You can also ask people how you do in interviews. Like, people don't do that, but you can say, like... How am I doing? Yeah, how, not, like, after, you can go after and be like, hey, so I just wanted to know, do you have any feedback for me? Right. Like, people never right. do that, but you're fully allowed to ask right. that. I, and, I, and I like the, I always like the question now, maybe in a sales, I, I don't know, I kind of think about sales sure, sure, jobs sure. a lot because I live in that world, but, like, what obstacles do you see um, prevent me from being a good employee in your organization? Right? It's like, what, like, give me, give me the, give me your objections right yeah. now and let me overcome them. And Just I, like I think in due time you'll be selling Creo probably. I mean, I probably, <laughs> my dad is a sales manager and I probably will yes. move. If I uh, go anywhere in PTC, I uh, might go into the sales. I don't want to like peg it, but like, <laughs> after spending a half hour with you, I was like, well, you will be selling. You're I, so good at it. I love, I, so the thing is I it. love people, yeah. like genuinely, and I genuinely like And you're not bullshitting. That's, I, that's, that's the key. That's the battle, right? You're like trying to solve people's problems, you dig the technology. My dad will always say, because he is truly could sell ice to an Eskimo, <laughs> is very much the person that he's like, listen, to sell, you need to listen to what the problem is mm. and help them find what their solution is. Right. Like, that's all you're doing. You're just connecting a person with their solution. It's so true. It's so true. We do it every day. Christina? That was a hell of a time. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. So much fun. And um, cheers to our Bruins. Cheers. Let's keep, let's keep on the train. Hopefully the Stanley keep on, Cup this year. Keep on the train. Thanks again for coming on and uh, we'll stay in touch. Beautiful. Let's take care.